and welcome to For All Mumkind, the podcast. A podcast by mums for mums. My name is Pamela and in each episode I sit down and chat to a mum about motherhood, the ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is a midwife, artist and mum to Jack and with a little one on the way. It's Emma Carpenter of This Mama Doodles. Welcome Emma. Hello, you nearly had me setting off already. (laughs) (laughs) I did warn you. You did warn me. This would be tear heavy. (laughs) So first, congratulations. Thank you so much. We're over the moon. It's fabulous news. Yeah, I know. You're I'm literally so, getting teary. I'm I like, hold it together. I wasn't joking when I said that. Like I had a really intentional, cathartic cry last night. I was like, get this out of your system, Emma. And you just said, a little one on the way. And I was like, oh Lord, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I'm also delighted to be delighted. Do you yes. know if that makes sense? Like yeah. it's a really nice feeling to just feel like really excited about it. Yeah. And how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty well. As in like, some days I feel so deathly, like so unbelievably bad. And other days I feel like I can put makeup on and go out today and function, you know. So I'm I'm just rolling with it. For me on Jack, like it took till 22 weeks to really turn that corner and have that like raw pregnancy feel, take the edge off. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I didn't hit 12 weeks and think, great, now I'm going to turn a corner. I'm just like literally taking it day by day. And what was your pregnancy like then with Jack? It was, it was rough. It was rough on a physical level and very, very rough on it, like a mental, emotional level. And I think for me, that's the contrast this time. The mentally and emotionally feeling well, you're much better able to cope yeah. with the physical, you know, effects of pregnancy. On Jack, I was very sick. I would be vomiting anywhere from five to ten times a day. I had massive food aversions, like when you work as a midwife, like scents and yes. different things like that can be very, very triggering. Um, I definitely had like a rougher time I also had which was just I had one of those pregnancies that one thing after another kept happening and all of my friends were like oh for god's sake what like at one stage I went blind yeah I know (laughs) like I was in having pizza with my sisters and I was like I don't mean to be dramatic because I'm anxious so everybody thinks I'm always just on edge but I fully can't see. Like, so it started going glassy. It was like migraines, pregnancy migraines that would make me lose my vision. There was just like random cardiac palpitations. I'd like pass out on the floor and work. It was all very, very damsel and distress themed. Whereas this one so far, vision intact, bit of vomiting, standing upright most of the day. So all in all doing well. That's unreal. Yeah. I can't believe that. But you know what? I couldn't help it because I'm a midwife and I knew that it wasn't affecting the pregnancy. I was yes. like, it's fine. Like... I was like, I know there's women who are lying in in hospital since 20 weeks with preeclampsia, mm-hmm. terrified every day, is their baby going to make it? Yeah, I can't see for a few hours a day, but I'm safe at home and, you know, my baby is, is thriving. So I, I actually never let that really get on top of me that much. I was like, listen, weird things in the hands of God. Once we get the baby, we'll be OK, <laughs> which we did, thank God. And you use your art as a medium to connect with mums. Yes. <clears throat> and you share, I suppose, aspects of your own motherhood journey, mm-hmm. both ups and downs. Yeah, very much so. And I think you've opened up a lovely conversation on your own Instagram on that. Thank you. Um, how did that come about? Oh, so I've always drawn. I've drawn since I was a very, very young child. And people often, what I found insulting when I was a midwife, would say, you shouldn't be a midwife. You should be an artist. And I'm like, I'm actually a really good midwife too. Um, And when I had Jack, I chose not to go back to work after the six months, but take a kind of chunk of time at home while he was young. So I would be drawing in the evenings and it's very, very cathartic and relaxing for me. 
And my drawing style traditionally would have been very like realistic portrait style, serious subjects. And I just started drawing rough cartoons, cathartic to thrash out scenarios. And they were woeful at first and they started sort of coming together. And I felt that maybe there was a place online that somebody might see themselves in, in an image that I might draw. Because the one thing I found since becoming a mother is that while all our experiences are different, they're also universal at yeah, the same time. Exactly. Um, so that's sort of how it came about. And I got real pleasure from drawing and completing something. And it was something in the day that wasn't just about Jack, while I also was getting to be there for him, which yeah. was really good for me. A way you've described your own initiation into motherhood was crashing waves of anxiety, depression and OCD and you used to dread the Mondays when you'd be Mm. left with Jack for the week. Each kind of photo you put up deals with a different aspect Mm. of motherhood from your own perspective or kind of something maybe you've seen out there already. But from your own personal level, you had a very dark start to motherhood. I would describe it as absolutely catastrophic. Like... It was more than I ever imagined a horror could be. It really was. Like I had a history when I was like a teenager, early 20s of an eating disorder and anxiety. And that very much thankfully left my life and I moved on. But I knew just from my own training that as a result, I would be maybe at a more high risk group. And I I met a therapist antenatally. I discussed it with my family. I discussed it with my partner. I told him about the signs to look out for for postnatal depression. And it just didn't manifest that way. It manifested in this really manic, traumatic fear, OCD, which was something that I never thought I would have and never manifested the way I thought it would. I really was ignorant. I thought OCD was flipping a light switch on and off 25 times before you left the room. Where for me, it was obsessive thoughts that then became compulsions. So it was like, I am not able to cope with this. My brain feels like it is on fire in my own head every minute of every day. I want to die. You're going to die. You're going to jump off the balcony, jump off the balcony, jump off the balcony. Like it was this constant narrative, inner narrative I had to fight against to keep my feet on the ground and keep myself safe. And this was every day. Like my husband did take a chunk of time off work to care for me and our son, which I'll always be so grateful for that his boss was so accommodating because I know not a lot of people, you know, have that yeah. privilege. Um, but then he went back to work and I had to just bat the baby, feed the baby, change the baby all the while fighting this constant narrative and really considering at one stage, I'm, I'm going to have to get this baby adopted. I'm going to have to give him up. We're going to have to put a plan in place. He can't be in my family because I couldn't see him. Like really, it was unbelievably traumatic. And the one thing that really helped me was I went to a therapist I used to see years ago. She's very sort of, she's very hard to describe. She's not clinical. Like she really connects to each and every person. Mm -hmm. And she just said to me, remember everything you think is just a thought. Look at what you're doing. So even in the midst of being like, I want to die. I want to jump off the balcony. I'm going to kill myself. I can't do this. You bathed your baby. You made him a bottle. You changed his bum. You kept him warm. You brought him for a walk. Look at what you're doing and stop fearing so much what you're thinking. That really started to help me cope. And it was a long process. It, it, it took months and months and months. But I'm very happy to say that I'm mentally just so well now. And my mind is just my own, which is when you've not had your own mind, mm-hmm. it's bloody amazing. Yeah. It really is. So you really set yourself up antenatally mm. to prepare yourself, your family, your husband for it. And yeah. it's still... It still got you, but in like oh, in yeah. a total different form. Yeah. And even this time while I'm feeling mentally so well, I'm like, 
you just do not know. Like I was at a high risk group. I put things in place, but it manifested for me in a way I never anticipated. I really thought postnatal depression would be that I felt a little bit sad and maybe nervous around my baby and not quite myself, which I did have all those things. But it it just it just as the way I described it to my therapist was like everybody gets a negative thought and it's like this like you light a match and it's like this thought that lights up in your brain and you sort of shudder and you get this fear and it makes you feel terrible. For me, it was like the match lit and it hit the curtains and the curtains went on fire and the room went on fire and the house went on fire and it was burning and burning and my whole life was burning down every day while I tried to function. I still think it's important to link in antenatally because at least at three weeks when it all started to unravel for me and I held my hands up like screaming, I need help, like someone's got to help me. My family at least knew that something might have been coming and we knew a therapist to go to and my husband was at least he's so lucky like he's never had experience with this before which in a way is is good for him but um they at least felt prepared that it might be coming nothing can prepare you for it it's like it's like a death you know you might know that your friend is sick for 10 years and she might die but the day she dies nothing actually prepares you for the moment it hits um but equally while I was prepared and I had risk factors I know of loads of mums who've experienced traumatic mental health events after becoming mothers that didn't have a history prior yeah all you can do is when it hits is hold your hand up and scream for help and is that what you'd say to anyone at home that is either maybe in the antenatal phase now who's thinking, you know, maybe I'm susceptible to this, maybe this is going to come, you know, will I, will this happen to me? Or someone who is just given birth and is just not feeling themselves and is showing maybe early signs and they don't know what to do because this is the very first time that they've had a mental health issue. Yeah, I would say trust yourself, which is really, really difficult when your mind doesn't feel like your own. Like yeah, it's exactly. really hard to trust yourself. I would say speak, 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 speak to anyone who will listen, even if that is. I've had messages from people on Instagram and I'm like, please message me. I'm happy to talk about this. Reach out to someone that feels like a safe place for you. Go all the directions that the Google search will tell you. Go to the therapist, go to the GP, but keep searching till you find the person that's really going to help you. Now, I was lucky I had a built up relationship with a therapist. But when I had my eating disorder years ago, I went through about five therapists before I found her. So don't walk in the door and come out feeling bad and think this obviously isn't for me. You know, you keep looking and you keep finding because when you do, you will change your life so beautifully. You wouldn't even believe the potential you have to get better. Like it's unbelievable how much we can heal. And it's just about accessing the right help and speaking up and advocating for yourself and knowing that, when someone says to you, oh, it's, you know, it's normal. Every mother feels, you know, it's hormones or whatever. No, you don't deserve to feel bad. If you feel yeah. terrible, you put whatever things you can in place to feel better. And was that a consideration for you then getting pregnant for the second time? Were you worried? Yes. So yes and no. So when I was very ill in those months after Jack, I made my home, my hummus, mm. <laughs> my husband, um, I made my husband promise like promise, promise, promise. He would never, ever, ever let me do that again. I was like, you need, I said, I'm going to be hormonal. I'm going to have this biological urge. You need to promise me under no circumstances that I will ever do this again because I'll not survive it. I just will not. But then I got better and I feel strong and I feel well and I feel more resilient. And I feel when you've gone through something so horrific but you also see that you can survive it. Yeah. And you see the delicious baby you have at home. 
um, and you feel that, I feel ready. I feel ready now. So I feel ready for whatever's going to come at me because of this pregnancy. So I just felt, and a little bit of me felt like when I'm in the baby trenches, like I find it hard being at home. I love being able to do that for Jack, but it's not, I'm not one of those moms that feels like I've found my calling, like not at all. Um, that I feel like I'm in the baby trenches. Let's pop them out if we're lucky enough to. Yeah. And make these years what they are. Yeah. While you're in that zone. Yes. Just keeping it. Keeping it. <laughs> yeah. Because if I raise my head above water, I might not come back. <laughs> and come back to your art out of all of the ones that you've put up all the little great photos mm. what one is your personal favorite oh god that's a hard one if I was to pick one right now actually and I'm surprised I'm gonna say this one oh no you're gonna make me cry <laughs> it's actually there's one and it's not like it wasn't like a really emotional one or a really popular one it's like one of me sitting on the couch and just like hugging Jack and he's sort of standing up in a pair of dungarees and he's so cute. And I love that because the account was born out of like a desire to really expose how I found motherhood and connect with other mothers and make them feel, you know, really seen. And while I was feeling all that raw and pain, there were so many mothers that were talking about this, this magic that they felt and this love that they felt. And I was like, where is that? Like, that's not showing up for me. And as I started to get better and he started to get older, I really started to feel it. And I got that sense of like a pain in my heart with love. So I drew that one day of me just like squeezing him on the couch. So if I was to pick anyone right now, I would, I'd actually probably pick that one. It's, and that is a beautiful one. I know Thank that one. Yeah. And it, like you touched on there, that whole initial bonding with your mm-hmm. baby. Some mums will feel it instantly when they see them. Some will take a few days and others, it grows as the baby grows. Yes. And that is perfectly okay. Mm. But I think that people have this, I suppose, idea that you build up in your head that you'll see your baby and you'll just be overcome with emotion or love. Yeah. And it's not like that for everyone. Well, you know what? You don't build that up in your head. Society built that for yeah. you. Do you know what? Like we're we're fed that story because it's too painful to admit when everybody's telling you what a blessing you have on your chest post C-section that I am so scared and I don't love this little blob. Like I, I felt I loved it when it was inside me and now it's here and I feel so incredibly lost and so incredibly scared. But I also know that there's women who'd love to be in my position. So I feel that weight that I should feel grateful and I should feel love and I should whatever. And I really think if more women said, oh my God, I just feel so detached from this little thing in the cop beside me. I can't wait for it to come, but I do not feel it today. That really, we would normalise that a lot more and we wouldn't expect to feel it. Like in going into this pregnancy, obviously, if I'm honest, there's like that little bit of hope in my heart that I'm like, maybe I'll get that. But I'm also prepared that that is not a given and it's not even necessary. Like it's okay for that not to come. And nearly every woman I have said that to has said, oh yeah, I didn't feel that either. And yet we all talk about it like it was Santa coming down the chimney and it for real happened. And that feeling of gratitude for your baby, but also sometimes having that negative feeling of this is hard or this Mm. is too much for me. And it is possible to have both emotions. Yes. And it's okay to have both emotions. Yeah. And saying I struggle being at home and Jeff leaves for work on a Monday and I feel like I want to die at the thoughts of the week ahead does not mean I do not love my baby and I'm grateful for it. The two can exist together. And actually, the more like you welcome the two, it's like the power is lost over it or something. You know, if you feel like I feel so guilty and negative for feeling like 
that, you know, I'm so lucky I get to be at home with him, but I also feel like I'm dreading a week of soft play and going on the swings. Like, you know, my mind is used to a little more stimulation than that. Yeah. But I also love my son and I want the best for him. And, you know, the two can definitely exist together. And I think the problem is this, I idealized version of a mother that we yes. all have in our minds of like you know she's a brilliant one that mother she puts everyone before herself that is not a compliment I never want anybody to say that about me you know yeah and um, I think it's good that we sort of put ourselves first and our needs alongside yeah. our children yeah and that you can have multiple feelings that like feelings can coexist yes and know, one and doesn't counteract the other like I love my husband, but last night I pretty much hated him. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I hate you right now, but I know I love you. Don't want to leave you. Stay with you forever. Nine, nine. But also you're driving me around the bend, but it seems to only be children that we have a real issue accepting that we can have conflicting emotions or conflicting thoughts on. Yeah. Like it's okay for, a, a you know, a, a friend who's looking after an elderly parent, you know, who maybe has needs to be cared for to admit that I find it really hard and I don't look forward to doing this every day, but I love my mother, so I'm willing to do it. But God dare you say that about the precious little bundle that kept you awake all night. Do you yeah, know? That's a great observation, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't yeah, it? We just don't like to view mothers as very human. Like once you make that transition into motherhood, yeah. you now talk about all your blessings and your gratitude and your cute little baby and you say it's all worth it. Whatever you do, even if you're honest, at the end of it, you must say, but it's all worth it. Like you have to do that. Otherwise there's this like awkward silence of people looking at you like, come on, pull it together for me. This this is not what you're supposed to say. No, 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 wrap it up. This is uncomfortable. Less of the honesty. But maybe I think is that what it is? Do we make people uncomfortable when we speak the truth? absolutely you know, it's, it's, it's like, painful like it's painful but I relish it like I really do I started even people in bookshops I remember getting stopped in a bookshop in Black Rock and a woman looking in oh I just remember another funny story um a woman looking in the pram and oh he's gorgeous and how would you find it and I said really hard actually and there was just this silence and I was like I'm not feeling it sorry good luck to you <laughs> and she's like and another woman, he was screaming with colic in a sling. I was waiting in deals, probably buying like a multi-pack of Snickers or something to comfort me through the day. And she was like, he's so cute. And I said, jokingly, obviously, do you want him? And oh my God, the appall, like, she was like, you do not mean that. And I was like, no, obviously, as if I'm going to hand my kid over in deals. Like I drop him outside a hospital like a normal person. But yeah, so uh, truth makes people uncomfortable, but the more truthful we are, yeah. we'll desensitize the population. Yeah. <laughs> bit by bit. Bit by bit, exactly. Mm. And I think now that we have more avenues, like I think your Instagram mm -hmm. podcasts like this, where we openly discuss our feelings. Yep. And maybe because we can, it's kind of a little, we're a little kind of hub of our own. Yes. We've yeah. our own little kind of thing going safe on. Safe place. Own, yeah, it's a safe place where mm. we can kind of go you're listening to each other, you're kind of communicating, you know, you're looking at your images and just comments underneath and you go, that's me. Yes. I know, I relate to this. Yeah. You're normalising it. And, you know, even if we don't say it to the louder society, once we know amongst ourselves, mm -hmm. our own little community. Because I know so many people have spoken about social media and mothers and it being a real, like, if you go on like the forums, a real, like, jungle of you know like the earth moms versus the bottle feeding moms versus this that's not been my experience at all like I have found every single person who's engaged with me to be super supportive and open and really just trying to find their way and and yeah. know that they're really not the only one who has experienced certain things yeah another thing that you talk about on your Instagram and I think one of the very first photos that I 
somebody must have shared it. I think mm. that's why I went, this one's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> so I followed it. Was the picture of um, you in the shower with your husband oh, in the yes. hotel. Yeah. One, it was the honesty of the portrayal of the postpartum body. Yeah. Or were you pregnant in that pregnant. photo? Okay, yeah, you're pregnant yeah. in that photo. But legs so, unshaven, swollen yes. ankles, like, yeah, stretch marks up to my ears. Like, yeah. And then there was another one that I made me laugh was... You're getting ready. Was he coming home? Oh, was it the sex one? Yeah. Where I'm like in fishnets, but like wrapped in bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, so you have these real honest um, portrayals of motherhood. Mm. Things that we mightn't even realise we're doing. Yes. But do you, you see it? But you yeah. see it and you laugh and you kind of go, <laughs> oh my me. goodness, yeah. that's so me. Or that's, you know, yeah. you can... Yeah, it's it's really, really good. And so what I love is it was the honest portrayal of body image. Mm. And... You know, you accept your body for what it is. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, it is nurtured, it is created, and now you're pregnant again, and it's mm-hmm. doing the same thing again. But you talk about the compassion that we need to give our bodies, yeah. and not letting our bodies define who we are. Mm-hmm. How did you come about that kind of positivity? Well, like I said, I had an eating disorder for years and years and years and years and years, and was very at war with my body, and really felt it reflected me, and I was constantly worried about how I presented my body into the world and that sort of thing. So in healing from that, there's obviously a bit of unraveling of all the messages that you're fed, you know, through your adolescence and early years or whatever. So that was a bit of the work done. And the other thing actually that helped me massively was the online community. I don't know if you remember Flinfluencer had an account. Uh, Rebecca Flynn, I think her name is now. She doesn't. She runs Chublin now, which is like a fat acceptance Irish online community that do events and stuff like that. She actually opened a huge gateway to me and that was only in very recent years in like talking about it, linking different other people on Instagram and really just the online community talking about how like you can be fat and you can be happy. You can be fat and you can be successful. You can be fat and have the ride of your life. Like your life is out there to be had, fat or not. And it just made so much like intellectual sense to me. Um, that it really started to change how I feel and how I presented in the world. And in that way, I think people feel a weight equally with body confidence to be like, I should be body confident. Like this is like the thing now, like I'm old school worrying about my weight and I'm meant to be confident. Whereas actually I'm not particularly body confident, but I'm very accepting of my body. And I'm no, I know that it literally doesn't define me at all. And it's okay to want to change it. But wherever you are today is equally fine and where you're meant to be now and don't hold your life back. Louise McSharry actually yes. did. Did you see that? Yes. She did a really good chat on that. And she's so beautiful. Um, and she did a really good chat on just being like, the day I just said, I'm fat. It just, it just yeah. changed things for me. And for me, I was like, I spent my whole life trying to be the thin me that I really thought like, it's only because I'm stressed in college. It's only because I'm pregnant. It's only because I've just had my baby. Really naturally, I'm a size 10, but right now I'm coasting to 14. No, Emma, you naturally are 14 because you like chocolate and you like food and you like walking, but not that fast. Like, you know, this yeah. is kind of where I'm resting. So I think it's important to look after your health in every avenue. And one of them is just like letting your body be. Give yeah. it peace. The video that Louise put up, I watched it. It was amazing. She mm. she has owned, like she said herself, she's taken the power out of the word fat. Yeah. And she owns it and she uses it as a description. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really powerful thing to do. It's taking away, because it is just another word that we use to describe. Yeah. And I think people think you're self-deprecating, like you're trying to get to the punchline before somebody else does. But actually the, the point is, it's not a punchline. It's not yeah. a joke. It's a description and it's fine. Yeah. Like it's okay for me to say like, oh, I'm fat. 
and I'm not actually self-deprecating or trying to make myself small. I'm like, I have quite a bit of body fat, more than, you know, I would be told that I should have. But I'm like, my body's functioning. I feel well. I'm living a happy life for now. I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. We can put on brave faces, can't Mm. we? During motherhood, even, you know, outside of motherhood. um, But I think particularly the first few weeks, first year of having a baby, it's are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's together. And that's from your husband. It can be the public health nurse, yeah. your support unit. Have you found that with yourself? Absolutely. But I also think we, we need to forgive ourselves for that too. And know that there's really, it's okay to only share your story with certain people. Like I feel where I am now, I have no problem talking about everything that happened in the last year, but I wouldn't have felt strong enough to do that when he was three, four or five months old. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to protect yourself and put yourself in a little bubble and say, do you know what? I don't know if this public health nurse really wants me to offload all of this on her. Maybe she's not the gal, you know, like maybe my best friend who knows a really good GP, maybe that is it. I think once you find the people that you feel safe with to expose yourself, do it. But, you know, you don't have to be like me and scare the old lady in Black Rock by saying it's really hard, you know. (laughs) You can, you know, you can do it if it's for yourself. I would ask you not to do it for other people. If you feel you want to, you want to speak up and you want to say something and you're worried about making them uncomfortable, F them, (laughs) you know, let them feel it, let them know. But if you feel like you feel a little vulnerable or exposed and you don't want to go there, do what you need to get through the moment, I think. I think both is fine in certain scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Again, with the online communities, it's mother can be really isolating. Mm. Um, and it's not something I really thought about becoming a mum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You kind of go, I'm going to have this amazing maternity leave. I'm going to have a cute baby. And it, we're going to have the time of our life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you realise, oh, my, that, my native tribe that I had, well, they're mm-hmm. all in work or they're, you know, They've got kids, they're not by your side. So you're just kind of like, where is everybody? (laughs) Yeah, where is this dream? Remember we all said we'd do this together? Where are y'all? That is the thing I potentially, I still struggle with now. Like my life day to day is very lonely. I live in a place where I'm not near any family or any friends where my husband goes to work for the whole day. Like he leaves at seven, he comes back at seven or half seven and it's just the two of us. And it's... Like, again, like I'm very lucky. I have a family that are wonderful emotional support, but they all either have their own small kids at the other side of the county or are working full time. You Mm -hmm. know, and my friends are all working full time. They're not there. And I know like I was definitely encouraged by a public health nurse to go to like the the different groups and stuff. The one thing I found was an issue was they were in my area, 99% breastfeeding groups and I bottle fed, which is very isolating and something I think we need to, to definitely look at in Ireland. And also, I think we need to accept that when a mother is feeling very vulnerable and alone and scared and whatever, a room full of mothers who seem to be knowing what the hell they're doing is the last place you want to go. You know, you want to be with your bestie on the couch eating Ben and Jerry's, like sharing a spoon because you're that close. You know, like I think as kids get older and you're socialising for them, it probably makes them a little bit easier. Um, But I still feel a little bit like I don't want to go and have, have coffee with a group of women I don't know. Like I want my friends. Yeah. But... I don't know. I do think like bringing Jack to soft play and stuff as he's one and getting a little bit older. I'm naturally chatting to other people, which is nice. Uh, 
But yeah, it's not, it's not the answer. I think people kind of throw that at women in those early stages. But why didn't you bring them down to the group when it's, it's not what you want? You really want your really safe people and your yeah. really safe friends around you at that time. But at least online for me, it's not the same, but it is still an access into a, another world. You yeah, know? it is. Like if you are at home and you don't want to, even if you're out for a cup of coffee, you know, I always wait for your videos to come up I'm like I'm going to wait for that now and I'm going to watch it yeah look forward yeah. to it yeah Do you know and then that's your kind of you're in and you have you can start reading the comments and yeah it's, you're, it's almost like you you know you've got your little your friend there yeah and you've got your community and everyone's kind of on the same page as you mm. um but yeah that the isolation thing is very hard and, and I've said it numerous times on this I really I find that all of the community groups are for breastfeeding yeah. mums. And I do think, and I know as many as much as they say, look, it's open to everybody. It's very, very difficult to actually go in there Absolutely. and be like, okay, I'm not feeding. Is that okay? I'm just going to battle feed my child here. That's not going to happen. Or, no. Like you're not going to do that. No, because you need to look at the population you're talking to as well. Like me now, like confident, healed, one-year-old, sleeping through the night. Yeah, I'd be like, Hello, I'm showing up. You know, you're in a very different place. If you're talking about a mother who's potentially really struggled with her decision to bottle feed or really tried to breastfeed and it didn't work, she does not want to be there. Like she doesn't. And we really need to look at having more inclusive spaces for mothers in those early weeks. And I'm really delighted that Ireland is turning to be more of an advocate for breastfeeding because it was so not done for such a long time. Like it's such a space that's needed. But also the reality is a huge portion of our mother's bottle feed. And there's lots of feeding issues that happen with bottle feeding as well like colic and reflux and constipation and stuff that you feel like you've nowhere to go to for advice on that yeah so to have a space that you felt you were valid and warranted being there with other moms experiencing those issues I think would be invaluable in Ireland the fourth trimester now that you're Mm. pregnant you're on you know you've experience of with Jack yeah and going into fourth trimester what you know what have you learned maybe from Jack's first few weeks that you would change or what are you looking forward to? So what we did on Jack, which is one thing I will keep, is we locked our doors for the first week. So personally, I was happy to have people up to the hospital because I felt like I wasn't in my own environment anyway, come up and visit. But as soon as we got home for that first week, it was about eight days, nobody was to cross the door at all. And we told people very early on it was not to happen. And they were great. They didn't do it. And that was one of the best weeks of my life. It was just me and my husband. And like I said to you earlier, he has no experience with babies. We were just figuring it out all in our own bubble. Fridge was stacked with food. We didn't have to leave. I tried to venture to the garden one day had a hysterical panic attack. He was going to get stung by a wasp and have an anaphylactic shock. Went back upstairs. We just took that time. It was actually a really, really beautiful time. And I couldn't, if I could grab every mother and tell her to do that, I would. Do it longer if you want. Yeah. Um, I think you said on, I think it was at Emma Dowling's podcast yes. about the like week on the bed, in the bed, by the bed. Yeah. Um, so I just found that such a precious time. What I would do differently is I was very busy planning the year I would have with my baby rather than that precious time. So I said to my husband, five days of annual leave. Um, I said, you you go back to work. We'll want that annual leave, you know, around Christmas. We'll want that. And we'll go on a holiday. We'll do this. And I just think that was really short-sighted now. So I have planned this time that he will have a month off, two weeks paternity leave, two weeks annual leave. Like that is the most important time. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would definitely do differently. I also felt very much like I should have been better quicker than I was physically. Like I felt I had a cesarean section and I felt like, 
you know, come on, like it's like it's two weeks now, like, you know, get out there, like start, you know, you don't want to be sitting in all day. Also trying to not get postnatal depression. I was like, put on your makeup, get out for a walk, put on your makeup, go to the shop, go whatever. And when I think of it now, like I had a really bad wound infection. Oh, no, that's not it wasn't really bad, but it was like a wound infection, which is never great. And I was like going, I couldn't get a taxi because I couldn't lift him into the the taxi. Obviously couldn't drive. And I didn't want to disturb my husband in work. So at three weeks post-section with a wound infection and a newborn, I was getting two buses across the city to the coom. Like mad stuff of trying to show up and trying to do well. So I would just do it differently. I would do that in the bed, on the bed, by the bed, everything slow, all the help, lock the doors. Yeah. I think that's the plan. We have, we want to show up as good mothers. We want to make this transition and do it really well and really nail it and not let us take us down. We want to be ourselves, but also be this mother. Oh my God. Like I was just not able for that. And I'm only now accepting that I won't ever be the same again, but I'm at a stage where I can at least recognize myself, which is good. And so I'd be much more forgiving of myself at that time in like allowing to be vulnerable, allowing to be in pain and wanting to stay in bed and knowing that that doesn't mean anything about who you are as a mother or what you will be when those weeks pass. Yeah. Like those weeks are what they're meant to be and we don't respect them enough anymore at all. We're expected to sort of get back to normality, like get back to the shops, get out to meet a friend for coffee. It's good for you. Don't be sitting in. Like we have this narrative of thinking that that's the really healthy thing. Yeah. But I think if we actually paused and took in what happened and allowed our bodies to take a few steps of healing, it it would be beneficial for everybody. Yeah. Relationships then, obviously, everything changes. Your friendships with your friends change, with your parents change, with your husband changes. It's totally, and like you, your relationship with yourself changes. Uh, Oh yeah, more than anything, which which is probably what affects all those other relationships is that you are forever changed now and you're trying to still fit into the mould of what everybody else knew you as. Yeah. It's um, it's a total transition. Yeah, it's so huge. It's the birth of the baby, but it's the birth of a new mum yeah. and a new person. And I don't think we really recognise that. And it still makes me cringe a bit when I think about it. Like, it's not something you consider when you decide you want to start a family. No. Nobody says, would you like to change completely as a person? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... just want to want a baby. Want to be myself. No, 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 no. We will change completely and all yeah. your relationships will change. That's what I'm asking you. Do you want that? It's like, and that's a bit uncomfortable to decide. Like, you know, Yeah. but it does. And it's really difficult, actually. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, I never knew how much I change. Um, and I still don't know if I could put down in paper what has what changed is. or what it is. But my outlook, my opinions, my everything, mm-hmm. everything from, you know, the food I eat to my day to day decision making, how I drive. My yes. God, if I see a buggy <laughs> within like a couple of metres of the car, I'm like stopping, cross Same. the road. Yes, yeah, yeah. Take your time, take your time. Yeah, I know. You know, things I would never have observed pre-baby I now or it would be the very first thing I'd see like it's a yes a hypervigilance sort of you didn't have before yeah but you know what I love right so sometimes and I've spoken to this about my friends and I put it up on a post I think yesterday was sometimes I feel badly about how narky I am at times like sometimes I'm and it's only ever with my poor husband I'm I'm really irritable when he gets home I've spent all my day alone and he's home and he wants to tell me all about his day or he doesn't want to talk because he's tired from the drive and I'm indignant about it and I'm a bit of a martyr I'm like well I've been on my own all day dead baby like <laughs> I'm like this uh, and, I, and I'm short and I'm not 
at all like I ever thought I wanted to be. I thought I wanted to be like, well, I'm at home now, so I'll have the shirts ironed and the dinner ready. And the place is a bomb when he gets in and there's no dinner ready and whatever. But I just love it when he is on his own for the baby with the day. And he, as a person, naturally is incredibly kind, incredibly patient, incredibly calm. And all the times that I'm manic and narky, he is patient and calm and lovely. But when I get home and he's been on his own all day, oh, he is me, you know? He is like, hmm, yeah, did you have a nice day? Like there's little snide comments. The place is messy. He's wrecked sitting on the couch. And I love it because we give ourselves such a hard time as women and we get the little jibes, you know, from husbands or boyfriends of like, oh, you know her, she's mad like that. You know, she's always giving out about something. But it's because it's unbelievable what you do every day. And we think it's normal and it's a given and our moms did it and their moms did it. But you know what? We're just the generation that are not putting up with saying it's fine anymore. Yeah. yeah I'm loving these observations and I really don't want this chat to end <laughs> at all. Um, but we're getting towards the part of the podcast where I have to ask you three questions. Three questions. Lovely. You're pregnant, obviously, now. Yes. So either now, what do you tell yourself that you've learned from your first pregnancy or what would you tell yourself when you were pregnant with Jack? I was thinking about this and I feel like it's a question that would be a, a place where it would be valuable to put in like a really good, solid piece of advice. But what I would actually love if I had any wish in the world, and this might be where you fully get me to cry, is if I could actually go back to myself when I was pregnant on Jack and say, you know, your baby's going to be fine. I would love that. I would love to know that he's going to be safe, like he's not going to die and he's he's you're going to have a safe birth and he's going to survive and he's he's going to have a first birthday because obviously as a midwife when you see a lot of the reality of the sadness around pregnancy and birth it's if it feels like it would so easily could be you like why would it not be you that I would love to be able to like just whisper in my ear I'm not meant to tell you this but this is going to be okay you're going to be fine that's what I do yeah And I know that's the way life goes. You don't get that. You don't get that. And I suppose the difference in this pregnancy is I'm just trusting that it will be exactly as it is meant to be. If I have a miscarriage, I believe my baby was not meant to come. Like I'm I'm trying to frame my mind in that way. That everything worked out with Jack because it was meant to work out. He was meant to have the birth he had. He was meant to be healthy the way he is. He's meant to thrive the way he's meant to thrive. And this baby, while I want all that for him or her, will be it's so out of my hands and it will unfold exactly the way it's on it's meant to yeah and you're just kind of trying to own those thoughts and channel them I'm just surrendering it that's the way I can describe it and and the difference is I can do that because I'm mentally well so it's very frustrating when you're mentally unwell and people say things like you know worrying about it's not going to change it (laughs) it's like I don't have the mental capacity to put logic into this picture yeah now I'm healthy so I can do that and it's wonderfully freeing But don't be frustrated with yourself if you are also like, I I get that, but I'm racked with fear. Like it's debilitating me how how fearful I am. And that's a sign you really need something extra to support you to get yourself to that sort of mental freedom. Yeah. One product that you couldn't live without. Oh, Spotify. So let me tell you why. So I thought about this and I was like, we use white noise for Jack every night yes. and we never got that fancy sheep. What's his name? Yoon? <laughs> Yoon. Yeah. <laughs> we have, um, what's his name? Uh, happy head. Sleepy head. It's sleepy head. Yeah. Same kind of thing, like a soft toy that like. It's like a like, little head. That, that just, is. A, just an isolated head? Yeah, it's like a little tit head. <laughs> it's very alarming. <laughs> 
I it's just a severed head <laughs> that makes noise in the dark of night. Fabulous. <laughs> Got in oh, deals at Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Great and cla- So I'm sticking with Spotify. Yeah. So we use it for white noise in a non-threatening fashion to our baby. Um, I also use it for podcasts and I love Jack loves to dance it is the, his face oh it's so sweet and sometimes if I've been having like a bit of an edgy day now like so obviously things aren't bad now but I still wake up some days and I feel a bit feel something on my shoulders I feel a bit edgy I'm not quite feeling free and we have a dance party to like Moana S Club 7 like full on like Venga Boys and dance around the living room so Spotify that's my thing and what has been your magic moment my magic moment was the first time I felt love for Jack and fear wasn't on my shoulder. When I, when I saw him like do something new, I remember distinctly and he was about seven months old. He got up and he crawled. And I remember I squealed like a pageant mom. Like I was wildly ecstatic at this. And I didn't get that sharp stab of, oh my God, what if something happens to him? I was just fully in the moment. And I I was reading a lot of Brene Brown, who's an, an American researcher and author, and she does a lot of work around vulnerability and shame and, and this kind of thing. And she spoke about how joy is one of the most like debilitating emotions as humans we can feel, because as soon as we feel joy, we feel vulnerable and we mm-hmm. immediately wait for the carpet to be pulled out from under our feet. And she described how you'll go up and look at your child and be like, look at my beautiful sleeping child. And then you'll go, what if they die in their sleep? You know, you you do that. So gratitude is what she advises, obviously, just being grateful for each moment and being in the moment like we talked about earlier. So for me, it was when I, and I didn't even do it consciously. I saw him do something beautiful. I felt the overwhelming joy of it. And I just stayed in the joy. And that helped me. I've had more moments like that since when he does something gorgeous. And I just, I'm just so happy that that thing is unfolding exactly as it is. So I would say, yeah, I would say that. It's beautiful. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it's so hard because we get so many beautiful moments as moms that are sort of like threaded through with so much fear you know, or shame or all these other mm-hmm. negative emotions when actually it's so courageous to be a mom. Like it's so courageous to show up and expose your heart in such a raw way every single day to be yeah. like, I love you and I don't know what you're going to do or where you're going to go or what's going to happen. I have no control over this. So to be able to get to a place where you can show up and and love and put yourself out there and be within the presence of the the beauty of that love rather than the fear is a huge, huge, huge gift that I definitely don't take for granted now. Emma, thank you so much for coming in and talking thank to me. So and for thank sharing. you for having me. We have such a, such a lovely time. It was really great. Thank you so much. And keep doing what you're doing. It's great for everybody to be able to listen in their car, in their headphones and just hear other people's stories in a way they can yeah. nip in and out. You know, yeah. it's really good. Thank you for downloading this episode of For All Mumkind. If you've enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you'd like to send me a message, please email forallmumkind at gmail.com. Or find me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at For All Mumkind. And I'll see you on the next episode of the podcast.